It's time now for The Complete Story with Rich and Dick Bott, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Rich and Dick Bott with today's Complete oh, I, Story. I, I tell you what, folks, Rich is in the studio with me, and we are going to have such a good time visiting with an with a friend. I was going to say old friend, but I better Long-time not. friend, and we are going <laughs> we to have go. a good time. Uh, and, and now listen, folks. And this subject is so important. It touches every family. It touches every life sooner or later because the subject is, well, I'll tell you in a little bit, but our guest is, tell them, Rich. Our guest is Miriam Neff, and she is the host of the radio feature that you hear on Bot Radio Network called New Beginnings, and her ministry is called Widow Connection. And we've known uh, uh, Miriam Neff and her, her late husband, Bob, for many, many years, going way, way back. And so we're so delighted to have you on our broadcast today, Miriam Neff. Okay, tell us, about, Miriam, tell us, first of all, about your story. I want our listening audience audience to really get to know you, then we'll talk about the book. Well, first of all, I count you my dear friends. I love you both, but I am a vintage friend, okay? We're, we're vintage, like a fine cheese. Okay, okay. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> and you're the big cheese, yeah, not, Dad. <laughs> not, not, not like stale bread. Not like stale bread. <laughs> no, but let, let me just tell you how much I go back with, with, with Bob. Bob and I married. I was a 19-year-old with Indiana University, married him, came to Chicago, he told me when I met him he had a calling to work in Christian broadcasting, a calling. I didn't understand that. But he was a compelling, handsome guy, and I married him pretty soon. We moved to Chicago. I finished my degrees at Northwestern, and all of that was good. But then we had a long career where he was a broadcaster, just as he felt called to do, until God took him home. I mean, that's a calling. Well, could I expand on that? He was with the Moody a radio network for those many, many years. And also, tell us a little bit about Bob's involvement and his genius, how God used him to co- to connect the satellite up with radio stations so so like Bot Radio Network he, can he reach out pioneer. into these other markets. He was, yeah, a, was pioneer a pioneer in that. Just well, I can tell you the moment that I knew he was going to do something about people where they couldn't have a bricks-and-mortar station, we were driving in a van across Montana, four little kids in a van, and he was playing on the tape player, an uh, 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 Easter story for children, and our children just swarmed at the front of the van to hear this wonderful Christian drama that Moody had created, and I looked at Bob's face, and he was starting to almost tear up, and he said, they can't hear this here. Mm-hmm. And we're in Montana driving through mountains, and I thought, you know something, I, I knew him well enough then to know when he saw a need, he, he would not stop noodling that or figuring, how, what are you going to do about this? And he met Jim Goodrich, a technical guy who believed in satellite, he hired him from Montana, brought him to Chicago. They planned, They, I, I started to say pleaded with the FCC. You don't plead with them. You just keep going back to them. And they have rules, and you go and say, no, this needs to change. And he, they kept telling, FCC kept telling Bob for satellite, the answer for you is no. And you did not tell Bob no. And eventually, and I don't know how many years it was, but you, Dick, knew because you were a cheerleader. You wanted this to happen. It would help all of Christian broadcasts. Yes. 
but I remember one of the no's he got before he finally got a yes, and I thought, oh, my, will he give up now? It's just too long. And he, he didn't, and that was his character. But his leadership, he was a visionary, but as much as he, and I will say he accomplished this, but he would not. He would never take credit. He would say this is a team effort, and he was always servant-hearted about it. And that's a characteristic that I think Christian leaders, it's hard these days to, re, to be that servant-hearted pe- person that says it's not about me, it's about God's call. It's about what God wants me to do, and I'm not giving up. Yeah. Uh, listen, we hadn't intended to go this direction right off the bat, but I want our audience to know what you are learning now is a pioneer that did something because he had a calling of God on his life, and he had a vision, and he wouldn't stop. And it is from that that Bot Radio Network has benefited because now we have 120 radio stations from California to Indiana to Texas and everywhere in between because of the technology and the use of the technology that Bob had a vision for. Well, anyway, that's really a wonderful thing when we're working together to serve the Lord as a team. Isn't that right, Miriam? Oh, it is. And I'll tell you, I am following his example Mm. in a way, a tiny way. When he went to heaven and I became a widow and needed, oh, I needed so much hugs and support and encouragement and someone to help me learn through finances and stuff, it wasn't out there in the Christian community. And I just knew that that, it's like I felt God tap me on the shoulder. Okay, I didn't feel the tap, but I did. If, if I could, Mary, Miriam, let, let me add a little context to that for our listeners' sake. Because Bob showed us how, through his testimony, how to live and also how to die. Because God led him to heaven through uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. And, and that's a very difficult thing for the wife to go through as well. Can you just tell us a little bit about that and then and how then, God prepared you for what how, you're doing and now? And how long ago was this, Miriam? Okay. Well, first of all, Lou Gehrig's is a wicked disease. And I can tell you most diseases are wicked, but I think Lou Gehrig's is one of the worst because you lose every ability to move any part of your body, but your mind is still just fine. And this took its toll on Bob, a racquetball player, a water skier, an athlete. But every day he never complained, and people came to our home as he became immobile and wanted to encourage him. And in the parking lot, when I'm waving goodbye to them, they'd say, we were encouraged. And he would say, this day is the best day of the rest of my life, because he, didn't, he knew the next day would be harder for him. Because it's progressive, isn't mm-hmm. it? It is. But all of the way through that, he loved each family member. He went to every grandson's basketball game in the 400-pound wheelchair, and I had the morphine in the backpack. If you want morphine on the basketball court, honey, you got it. It's just, and I mean, I don't mean to make light of it, but we made the best of those three years, and that was 11 years ago. Mm. 11 years ago now. Now that leaves you. That leaves you. Without your sweetheart, people listening to this program right now can identify with that. Eleven years ago, that left you with your sweetheart. Tell us about the rest. Well, first of all, I felt incredibly alone. I had just retired from a 26-year career as a counselor, but 
The greatest loss was Bob, but within the two-month period, I was also retired from my career. Let's, let's just call it empty with a capital E, and many of your listeners relate to that through some kind of loss, and it might have been divorce or their bankruptcy of their company or whatever. But that not alone thing, that you feel it, but that's not accurate. Because God in our hardest moments embraces us. And God has 103 verses in Scripture about widows and how to love and care for us. And I decided if I had been telling people I believe the Word of God, now is a time for me to put that into action in spite of the fact that I didn't really care whether I got out of bed in the morning. And Widow Connection, and the two of you have watched this, from a website to now my 11th book was published just recently, and it's 11 years Bob's been in heaven. And it's just been, uh, it was, it's been incredible to see that when there's a need, and a lot of churches and families kind of don't see that widow anymore, when you bring attention to that, and we've created resources and other books and ways to help people love widows, God blesses you. And I can tell both of you, I'm as contented today as I can be. Eleven. I that the first few months, but yeah, that's what God does. Now, Doctor Irwin Lutzer, people listening, about Radio Network certainly know that name from Moody Church in Chicago. He did, he did a what do we call this here? A uh, endorsement. Endorsement of the book. Forward. And then I also see that Johnny Erickson Tata. Did as well. well but well, this just... is a wonderful book. I'm looking at a copy right now. And I tell you what, what a great time of the year. Uh, uh, folks, turn your radio up because this may very well be a book that you should buy multiple copies of to share with your friends and relatives and other people. You know hmm. that this would be an encouragement to Miriam, you said that you felt very alone, yet the title of this book is Not Alone. Eleven Inspiring Stories of Courageous Widows from the Bible. Tell us about that, not alone. Well, this is a new adventure. I've written informational self-help books, books that give suggestions. I've never gotten into a person's head and their life and spoke first person for them. And as I've loved these widows' stories and I've dug deeper in them, you know, through these 11 years... They're not unnamed to me, like the widow and her two mites, the widow of their, they're not, they're a person to me. I almost feel I can feel their pain. I know what it smells like when they bake their bread. I understand them not wanting to pick up the tunic their husband left behind and smell what was the sweet smell of the person they loved. So I, as you can tell, these women came alive and I tell their stories, and yes, I give them names. That doesn't mean they're fictional people. They aren't. But I give them names, and when I was doing that and writing first person, I thought, you know what? Their name is written on God's heart. Their name is. They may be unnamed. Some are poor, could only give two mites. Some would have had greater means. Bathsheba and Abigail ended up being married to David, so they had probably pretty cool places to live, although unless they were getting chased away from the palace, so they had a hard life. But I get in these people's lives, and I, as I write about them, they had their moment of feeling, God doesn't see me, God doesn't hear me, he doesn't know that now I'm poor, or my children are going to be taken as slaves, or we're going to starve. And in every one of those stories, God shows up. 
every one of them in a powerful way. Mm-hmm. Ruth becomes a believer watching Naomi, who was kind of grouchy and in a hard place. So I'm just saying, if you're in a hard place, that's okay. Stay true to your faith. Someone's watching. Yes. Each of these stories, I think, is mighty. I think they're inspiring. So these are actual biblical characters, and then you you fill in a narrative to show what the rest of their life may have been like. Right. For instance, I talk like as if it's Mary, the mother of Jesus, as the foot of the cross, looking up. He's unrecognizable, but not to her, because those are the eyes that she saw looking at at, into her face when she nursed him as a babe. And I tried to convey her feelings and what she would have liked to do, you know, taking a damp uh, cloth to wipe his dry mouth, but she couldn't. But yet in those moments, he honors her and says to his best friend, care for my mother. And how tender for that to be the last words she heard of, of his life as she knew it. So as you can tell, these women have become incredibly precious to me. But I think everyone who reads this book, the story will be compelling. And people giving advice and information, that's all helpful. But sometimes it's the story that changes us. Mm. And that's what I believe these women do. So these would be very inspiring stories for someone who feels alone through the death of a spouse or, or some other circumstance of life. Uh, but how, how is it that these are inspiring, and in what sense? Well, first of all, sometimes they cover a variety of categories. They're nameless, they're marginalized, they're poor, or they're wealthy. They're Jew and Gentile, Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. So like every, every category of people right now that aren't getting along very well on our planet or on our country... Every category of any of those people who might be at odds with each other, in these stories, they're cross-cultural like that. So that's an inspiration. You don't have to be from the same country to love and admire another person who is not your kind of person. Example, Ruth and Naomi. Uh, you, w- these are lessons that show us that you rise above what would be your difference. For instance, the unjust judge was Jewish, and the woman trying to get justice was Jewish, so they should have been, he should have been following the word, he didn't. She was just persistent. She was looking past his evilness at God to say, God, you know I should be treated fairly. There, throughout the word of scripture, it says that the widow's to be, her rights are to be preserved, she's to be cared for. So she is like trusting God, not this unjust judge. Hmm. And guess who has the final word? The widow gets what she's asking for. And in the story, I have the unjust judge going home to lunch with indigestion. Now, okay, <laughs> gentlemen, that's not... I, that's, but I would think as a person that, he, you know, he finally realized there was a power beyond him, and he was shown that through this widow, this powerless widow. So inspiring, I'd say, Rich, it's because... They're such diverse people, and now there are widows now that can hardly give two mites, and there are widows that can give two million. But the lesson is the same, generosity. Yeah. You know, Miriam, just as I'm listening to you talk, I'm thinking of somebody that I was visiting with just two days ago, and her sister. I was asking about her family and and all of that, and 
and then she mentioned her sister lives in a little Kansas town, and her husband died of cancer, and then left her with three little boys, three little boys to raise, and uh, things were really tight. And then two years after that happened, while she was engaged to uh, somebody else who uh, just loved those boys and loved her, and then he was killed in an automobile accident just before they were to be married. And I thought, oh, my word, um, you know, this is, I'm going to buy a copy of your book, and I'm going to see that she gets a copy of it, because this will be such an encouragement to her to let her know that she is not alone. That is so important. But I want you to tell our listeners now of the traveling that you've done and how you've helped people in other countries, because you are a person who really, who really, um, who really gets out there and, and does what you write about? Well, first of all, for both of you, you might know that you know I'm kind of inclined toward action. So when I traveled to Burkina Faso seven months after Bob went to heaven, I had new eyes to see the widows. Wait a minute now. Where what is, is that? Burkina Faso. Yeah, where what is, is that? that? Well, Burkina Faso is one of the 51 countries in Africa. The capital is Ouagadougou. And you really have to be adventuresome to just say all the words. And I'm learning to say <laughs> the places that I go. But I looked at those young widows and I thought, you know what, they, first of all, I was able to teach them these Bible stories through an interpreter. And they were encouraged to know that God loved them, but I wanted to do more. So what's on my heart is to give them skill training that's self-sustaining for them to make a living where they are not to make uh, do something that we bring back here to sell. And for everyone that does that, bless them. For everybody that feeds them, bless them. But I wanted them to have a changed life in their village. Uh, I'm going to ask our producer to uh, pull up the song, Thank You, Lord, for Using Me by Doris Akers. We'll, we'll play that a little later in the broadcast because as I'm listening to you talk. That's what I'm thinking everyone should do. Now tell me, uh, the Bible always refers to the widow's might, and you you referred to that a little bit. It doesn't matter whether you have very little or whether you have a lot. It is the generosity and doing what you can do, and that's how the widow's might. Uh, that was that was uh, the the idea that she didn't have much to give, but what she did have, she shared it with others. Well, exactly, and I knew how to sew on a treadle sewing machine. Grandma had he taught me. Now we have two new projects going in Kenya. We have completed over 10 projects where these widows now have a saleable skill. They've been able to get their children back from the orphanage because they can feed them. And I can tell you, gentlemen, what we do is small. It very, it's hard. It's a simple plan, but it's hard to execute it because it's Africa and we pay the trainers and we buy the machines and all of that, but then we go away and they have a skill. Mm. That's, you might say, widow connections mm. to might <laughs> of doing what we can, although in Albania now we've done a bakery project and that was pretty successful. They, want, they wanted to learn to bake because they're in a capital where they could sell cupcakes and tarts and that kind of thing. You know what? I'm just doing the next thing. I just wake up and we do the next thing, and I feel incredibly contented and just blessed beyond belief. All right, now one other thing. I want you to tell about your family because, folks, Miriam Neff, that's N as in Nellie, E-F-F, -F, uh, is a grandma. 
to many kids, and she has a multiracial family. Tell us about that and what a joy it is. Well, Bob and I adopted two of our four children, and they look like us. And my daughter and her husband really took a step of faith much larger than what Bob and I took and adopted from DCFS, which is in Chicago. This is a place where you don't want little kids to be there for long. But from that system, they adopted three boys, one at age six and a half, one at seven and one at eight. And I, I don't want to digress into how thin and what their circumstance was when they came to the family because I'll ball over it. But I can just tell you, not long, and I said this to you folks when I've seen you, one went to Naval Academy, one went to Cornell, one went to uh, Illinois State. They're all pursuing their education. They're getting near done. And their whole life has been changed simply by a mom and a dad who adopted them and incredible effort, incredible tutoring, incredible sacrifice. But you know what? Heaven's going to be a different place because those guys are there. And I don't know, maybe someday their story will be told. They do not. I mean, the story blindside, their three stories would make that look tame, but they don't want that. And I don't want that for them either. But it's a story when anyone that gets to know them will say, wow, God is really big. Mm-hmm. And I've been privileged to go all over. A few weekends ago, I went to Cornell and I watched Edmund play rugby. He's the captain of the Cornell rugby team. So these boys have grown up now. They're, they're young men. And I, I took pictures of Edmund and Val and I, and I put them on Facebook, and people said, what happened to little Edmund? Well, he's a, man, he's a 21-year-old man now, and he's very athletic. He's finishing his business degree, and he already has a contract for a good job next year. You see, that was little, if I may say so, that was little Monday bears that I'm came to the family. And you know what, Miriam, I'm so glad we got into this a little bit, because it's what I've been telling our audience, it's not color, it's culture. And by that, I mean parents and a mom and a dad and people who love a kid and introduce him to all of the wonders of what he can become. And I have been privileged to be sometimes on the sidelines, but sometimes the taxi and other things, to just see God work in that way. And, you know, I think we're going to sit in heaven. There'll be so many stories. We won't have time to even share them all there. But I appreciate the two of you have encouraged me. I know you were friends with Bob and I, but since Bob went to heaven, you have remained my dear friends. You've encouraged me and blessed me. And I think part of why God is doing what he's doing with Widow Connection is I have people like you, you might say, holding up my arms and saying, yep, that's a good idea, yep, okay, go, you know, you've just encouraged me all along. All right, listen, folks, now the book is Not Alone. Isn't that beautiful? Not Alone. And Miriam Neff, N-E-F-F, where can people get a copy? Well, first of all, you can go to widowconnection.com, and I have a link there that will take you to Amazon, and you can purchase it on Amazon, which with Amazon Prime, that's a pretty good thing. I went in my Barnes & Noble over here at the, the local uh, area, and there were a couple copies on the shelf. I hope they go flying off the shelf, so they reorder 
So the book is available, and it's out there. I imagine it's also available at your local Christian bookstore, whether it's a Mardell or a Lifeway or whatever or Christian wherever. bookstores you have. Absolutely. Whatever it takes to get multiple copies of this book, go ahead and do it. Listen, and we'll be right back with you, Miriam, but I just feel I want the listeners to hear, after hearing your testimony and your story and what you're doing to encourage other people, I want the listeners to hear this song. Thank you, Lord, for the years you've been Thank you, Lord, for your goodness in choosing me. There's much more that can be done. Many souls to So please don't stop using me. Thank you, Lord, for the grace that you supply. And thank you, Lord, for you surely did lead and guide, Lord, my soul, you truly fed
Listen, how Miriam, as one seasoned citizen to another, <laughs> don't stop serving the Lord, and I know you wouldn't anyway. Thank you for those words. You know, that is my plan. That's my prayer. Philippians 1, six. we keep doing what we do till the day of the Lord, not when we decide it's over, when he decides our task is over. Yeah. All right, folks, now the book is Not Alone, uh, 11 Inspiring Stories of Courageous Widows from the Bible. What better place could you go to get the inspiration than from God's Word and specifically to encourage somebody who really needs it. God bless you, Miriam. Now, what would you say, Richard? God bless you, Miriam. And I hope everybody will get a copy of that book, Not Alone, and share it with those that you love. All right. This is Dick and Rich Bot uh, with this chapter, The Complete Story is a public service, by the way. We'll see you later. Mm-hmm.